gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, welcome back to the Truth Prescription Podcast, episode number three zero, season two. Uh, today I have the uh, great, uh, fantastic, and honored uh, opportunity to interview Miss Michelle Marie Soro. How are you, Michelle? Awesome. How are you, Seku? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. I'm going to give feel it. Yes, yes. You see my yellow, my yellow uh, sweatshirt. Uh, sweatshirt. I'm feeling some summery. Feeling, yes, I'm fe- all I'm bright fe- and shiny. <laughs> I'm feeling very Santa Monica-ish, even though I don't live there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, it's like super cloudy and gloomy today. So you've you've got the brighter sun over there. Oh my goodness, my goodness. All right. So let me. I'm going to give the people a little bit of background on you. Um, Michelle, uh, got a broadcast journalism degree from UCLA. And as a young woman, she worked in real estate, buying and remodeling and selling homes, which led to some good relationships with HGTV and Bravo. And eventually in 2014, she landed a a role with the home shopping network. And since then, she's been a familiar face on and fixture on many shows such as crime watch daily extra Hollywood live, the, the, my wife's favorite show, the real, and coming up next, she has a new podcast coming out called The Mindset Mash Up. Host, brand ambassador, and author, and now podcaster, Michelle Marie Sorrow. Spot on. And I love The Real as well. That is like the best crew and set of hosts that yeah. I've really ever had the privilege to work with. Oh, that's fantastic. That's, yeah. That's, that's nice. It's nice to hear. I mean, and it shows, and that's probably why they've been so successful. And a lot Critically of the shows, have, right? Yeah. Like smashing it at all the awards shows. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of a lot of the other shows that sort of fall into the wayside or losing viewership. That's true. That's true, know. and they they continue to grow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Tell your wife hi. I will. I will. She's listening, or she will be listening when cool. this comes out. So we'll say hi to Corinne. So uh, let's jump right into the truth prescription. Um, for those who are listening for the first time, uh, the premise of the show is that all successful people, of which, Michelle, you are, all successful people, no matter their industry, um, have had to deal with certain truths. And it was accepting those truths, really accepting those truths that allowed them to move forward and become more successful in their chosen career. So, Michelle, why don't you give us, uh, I think with you, we're going to start with the personal. I think you, you, you like the personal. I don't know why, but most people <laughs> try to wiggle out of it and choose the, the professional first. We're going to do, <laughs> we're going to do personal for you. Give us a personal true story of, uh, something that you went through, a truth that you were ignoring that once you accepted it, you were able to break through. Oh, wow. You're going deep right off the bat. Um, Is this where I tell you what I think the sort of fundamental personal truth is, or do I give you a story first? Yeah, give us a story first. Lead us there. Lead us there. Okay. um, Lead the horse to the water. 
<laughs> well, this is like a whole life, basically four decades yeah, of experiencing yeah. this as yeah. my truth. Yeah. And quite frankly, I, I find it to be a universal truth. So it's personal and professional, spiritual, it's everything. Okay, great. And uh, I, I, I will phrase it one way, which is that I believe that everything is always working out for my highest and best good. Okay. And sometimes that's been really hard to see or experience in the moment. Okay. But when I can look back, as now I've got four decades under my belt sure. with the benefit of hindsight being yeah. 2020, yeah. I can look back and say, oh my gosh, that had to happen in order for me to do the next thing, yeah. either personally or professionally. So now the trick as an adult is to be able to be that present to that prescription in the moment when it yeah. feels really freaking hard yeah. um, or scary or unknown or all those things that, you know, can rile up anxieties and fears and doubts. Yeah. Um, so some of that is, gosh, I mean, a big one for me, a personal truth, just to be really, really honest. Be is, honest. It's the true prescription. Uh, I mean, uh, um, addiction to cigarettes. Wow. Seku. I started when I was very young because okay. I wanted to be cool and hang. I wanted to hang out with the kids that were the kids that I thought, you know, were the cool kids. The cool kids. And yeah. I was uh, uh, like 14 years old and I was wearing a cheerleader uniform because I was like a great student and, you know, bright minded and whatever. I'm not being, I'm not bragging about the of cheerleader uniform. Not. It was just, it was just part of my sort of, you know, MO, right. but yet I would wear that uniform while smoking cigarettes with the kids that were wearing all black and had like black lipstick, you know? Interesting. So it was always dancing in between the shadows and the light. Mm. And, uh, and then I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like I battled that cigarette habit yeah. very shamefully. Like I would smoke in the alley cause in Santa Monica, there's like basically no smoking anywhere ever. <laughs> <laughs> which is where I live. So, um, I battled it on and off for almost 30 years. Wow. That's so crazy to say. That is crazy. And there are people that have known me for 20 years that never saw me light up. That's how ashamed I was. And it wow. would be my deep, dark secret. I, yeah. I had boyfriends that I would travel with and spend five days a week with that never saw me light up. Wow. I mean, it was it was deeply shameful for me because it didn't match up with me running marathons and t taking yoga and soul cycle and teaching yoga and yeah. being the epitome of health in so many other areas. Yeah. So, um, I, and it uh, didn't really it, even match up with your, you know, I'm mean, use this term loosely, your image. You know, if right. you look at a lot of those, you know, that footage from you in the early 2000s, like you're bright and bubbly and, you know, I'll use the SAT word here, refulgent and you're shining and, and, and you just look fantastic. And that doesn't match with, you know, somebody, you know, killing themselves basically every time you puff. Yes, exactly. And that's so intense to hear, but I didn't really say that to myself every time I'd light up. But at the end of the day, <laughs> smoking anywhere from two to 10 cigarettes a day, and wow. it was mostly two, but sometimes it'd be 10, okay. um, depending on if I was also having some cocktails, it'd be 10. Um, <laughs> but that was killing me. And yeah. it was also some part of me that didn't really want to fully own my experience in life mm. and um, didn't really believe that I was worthy of having total fulfillment and total total joy. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, 
and I didn't, I didn't know if I could live without it. And mm. this is such a big one because so many people can relate, take out the word cigarette and put whatever Anything. it is in there for you, whether yeah. it be food or prescription pills or yeah. alcohol or, you know, gambling or porn. sex or shopping or porn, right? Yeah. Porn's a big one these days yeah. for a lot of people. And so this was my thing. And it also became an identity. And I didn't really know how to navigate certain emotions. It was my punctuation, whether I was feeling really good and happy and wanted to celebrate, or I was really down in the dumps and didn't know how to navigate anxiety or sure. any sort of fear. Sure. Um, so it became like my longtime companion. And it was all I knew as a consistent friend throughout my life. It's interesting because I'm not going to lie. Like now I'm wondering how I'm going to lead up to the personal truth as the actual <laughs> statement. <laughs> because... <laughs> Because well, I'm I'm getting it, I and, I, and I'm gonna help I I'm gonna help you to craft it at, at the end. But okay. I'm getting it. I'm 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 feeling oh. like I know what it is. Yeah, I can okay, help good. you. But go ahead, keep going. This well, is good okay, stuff. Good. Because, because the, the, the mere it... the mere fact that because what we're really leading to here, people that are listening, is that you know through all this, she actually was able to quit. And do you know how many people cannot quit smoking? I mean, it's like one of the most addictive things. You know, up there with crack, maybe not, but it's very addictive. So, yes. this, I mean, this is powerful information you're giving us. Go ahead. Okay, but actually, I would, I would disagree fundamentally and wholeheartedly. Anybody can quit right now. You snap your fingers and you make a decision and you do it. And so what happened for me is in December, I went to this incredibly profound, utterly life-changing personal development, week-long immersive program. Oh, Tony and that Robbins? was descriptive. Yes. Tony Robbins, and it was yeah. called Date with Destiny. Yeah. And um, I'd only been to one other live event of his and, and that was like his three-day Unleash the Power Within event. I highly recommend these programs, you guys. They're amazing. Whether it's Tony or someone else, fully immersed is the only way that you're going to get the anchors mm. so that you can truly unpack the bullshit, then mm. put it all back together, yeah. and then really learn to activate and integrate that in your daily life. So it was at Date with Destiny, and I had been leading up. I had bought the ticket in March, or actually my ex-boyfriend bought me that ticket, if I'm really honest. That's nice. um, but it was, it was a beautiful gift. It, it, was, it was very generous of him. Because it had been my on my bucket list. Did you say I'm not your guru on Netflix? I haven't, but I need. Oh, to, that's I need right to up your it. alley. Yeah, I have to watch it. I haven't seen it, so I'm taking. So, uh, you're, you're like you're like the third person to mention it to me, so I'm gonna do that. You know what they say? Week. If you hear it three times, yeah. then it's a sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna write it down right now. It's like, you know, it's a wonderful documentary, critically acclaimed, and that particular uh, filmmaker, uh, Joe Berlinger, critically acclaimed documentarian, basically begged and pleaded Tony for years to let him come in once he had experienced it himself. And Tony said, no, 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 there's no way you can capture what happens in the room. Like, it's it's too intense. It's too yeah. private. It's too, it's too profound. And Joe's like, give me a shot and I'll give you full authority on editing. So after years and years and years of them having conversations about it, Joe did, was able to go in and record during a date with destiny, um, uh, six day program. So it's that very same program that is the, I'm not your guru based documentary. Sure. But I was able to attend in December me, and it was ask, on, let me ask yeah. you how, just as a, just for information purposes, how much is this, how much was that, uh, program, the six day program? The greatest investment of probably my entire life. It's about five grand. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you know, you think about all the other things that we spend money on. It's like that, that program <laughs> is worth, it's, it's priceless a purse. <laughs> for some women. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A dog. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he rescued me. Yeah. He rescued you. <laughs> he rescued me. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, we we okay, digress. No, no, no. Go ahead. But it's all good. But that it's, that's a valued, it's a valuable question because 
because that's how committed I am to growing. And the only yeah. reason that I'm so committed to growing is because I'm, I'm even more committed to giving. And so the more that I grow, I can give. Yeah. And mm. it's all about service and contribution, which is obviously why you're here, right? Yes. They ain't paying you the big bucks to do this prescription podcast right. yet. <laughs> right. um, it's it's passion. It's service. It's yes. contribution. Yes. And Absolutely. that is so fulfilling. And connection. Yeah. It's the yes. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so at date with destiny, I was able to actually discover that I truly had the power all along, you know, that wonderful, um, anecdote or analogy from the wizard of Oz when Glinda, the good witch comes along and says, my darling, you've had the power within you all along. Yeah. Right. It's a wonderful metaphor. The wizard of Oz that is essentially through six days of deep, beautiful discovery work and totally radically honest exploration within myself. I realized that I could drop the habit and never look back. So what my truth prescription that I've identified it as is a hundred percent responsibility equals 100% power. hundred percent responsibility equals 100% power. Yes. So then therefore I'm never looking to blame anyone, not the cigarettes, not the lifelong habit, not my parents, not my peers, not the classmates that lured me over to the orchard to smoke the cigarettes in the first place. <laughs> I take 100% power of my life and I, excuse me, responsibility. And I, and I, and I'm able to own my power as a result of that. Yeah. 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 And so when I was able to claim that at date with destiny, that is what empowered me to let go of the habit. It was like, what are you doing? Like, this is no longer representative of what you're allowing to hold you back, to yeah. numb out, to hide, to isolate, to be ashamed. It's like, if you really want to go boldly into the direction of your potential and to the woman that you dreamed you'd be, you got to let, let go of the bullshit that holds you back, that you're embarrassed to talk about, that you wouldn't want anyone to see and haven't let so many people see. That's yeah. not who you are. Yeah. You're transparent and open and beautiful. Yeah. And, and loving those parts of myself that I was scared to let go of cigarettes and knowing that I could come in and take care of that part of me too. That was just a young little girl and didn't know better. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So the, the, the personal, um, truth prescription is really what you said, learning how to take 100% responsibility in order to extract 100% of your power. Totally. To unleash it. Yeah. To unleash, extract and unleash. Yeah. Wow. Because we cover it up with all kinds of blaming and shaming. How many yeah. of us are just, just riddled with these excuses that just, yeah. we let hold us back. We yeah. let that have power over us, you know? It's it's interesting, um, Michelle, because that, that concept about, you know, taking responsibility for oneself is like a whole three hours. I mean, we could talk about that for the next three <laughs> hours by just that by itself. It's um, big. It's it's really it's really big. It's multi-layered, and our society and our upbringing trains us essentially to not take responsibility, to blame others, and to use use other things as scapegoats in order to just sort of, you know, play the middle of the road. Let's um, talk prescription pill epidemic. Let's talk therapy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable how people do anything and pay anything yeah. to have someone tell them, well, let's dig deeper into how that wasn't your fault. Yeah. Let's talk about how they hurt you and betrayed you. And yeah. all that's valid. You know, no doubt about it. I have deep compassion for real tragedies and, and issues in life. But at the same time, we can't let that story that we've been holding on to be our excuse for holding us back anymore. Yeah, right. No, it's true. Yeah. So you, you're taking me somewhere right now. So let me mm -hmm. get, let me get back to being host, <laughs> but, but you're right. So 
let's uh let's transition to uh the professional unless you want to just use that as the, use that one as the professional as well because it is profound i must say it is a good one thank you yeah. well that's a good one um and you know when you really own that in every area of your life of course you have to imagine that as soon as i let go of the cigarettes my entire life rocket shipped oh yeah i mean that's that's, that's why i was able to launch the podcast i get the chills even just saying it because yeah. i've always known because i was told by a still small voice call that gut call that God, whatever someone wants to call that, which can't be named. It's that intuitive voice that we sometimes hear when we get quiet enough to access it. And it said to me for a couple of years, everything you want is on the other side of letting go of cigarettes. Mm. Because I knew how deeply that was holding me back. Mm. Intimacy, Seku. I mean, again, yeah. having relationships, if I had had a cigarette, let's say I'd have my one, right? If I'm spending the night with him or we're traveling, I'd go out to the curb of the hotel or his place or whatever right. and have one come back, jump in the shower, do the mouthwash. And, and, like, he, and he wouldn't know where you went. you just like, I got to no, go to the store. Did, no. I was always honest about it, okay. but... I would never let anyone see me do it. I couldn't yeah. let them have that visual yeah. right before I quit smoking. Cause I knew I had a feeling I had a deep, deep desire to quit at date with destiny. So right before I went to date with destiny I actually captured me smoking a cigarette in a video on my phone. Cause I wanted to remember and be able to see it forevermore. Cause I knew that that would once at one point just be something to look back on. I'm like, wow, mm. you did that. Mm. You did that to yourself. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, yeah, so, so, um, yeah, so that's every category in life. And I, I've just watched everything explode. My coaching business, my consulting business, of course, my hosting work on extra, you know, I wouldn't even let my co-host like Mario Lopez even get close and give me a hug because if I had had one in the morning, as I'm driving over to Universal Studios, I would never want him to smell that on right. me. He's like the epitome of health. Right, right, you know? right, right. So people would always wonder, you know, like, God, was that kind of like a lame hug? It was like a quick little pat right, in the like back <laughs> thing. You know, <laughs> distance, right. Right. That's funny. <laughs> that awkward kind of hug. Yeah. And And now it's like a big, yummy, like genuine hug because I can allow myself to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. But I do have a different prof uh, professional one. You do. Okay. Well, you yeah. you want you want to say it? Sure. All right. Let's let's um, talk about it. Go ahead. This is so huge. I just I don't know if you saw in the news. Um, it happened. Uh, they just broke the news about to forty minutes ago. Oh yes, that uh, Kate Spade right took her life. Yeah. Yeah. And I Which when I saw crazy. that I was. I got the chills right now again. Yeah. I started to cry. And yeah. I listen, I love Kate Spade's handbags and jewelry accessories. And of course, I own some of her product and her incredible designs. I didn't know her personally. Sure. I, you know, I, I did follow her brand and social media, but it's not a personal connection, but it really highlights my professional prescription as the truth, which is success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Yeah. I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah. I can't take credit for that. That's a Tony right. Robbins quote. Yeah. It's used a tremendous amount in business and it's a mindset tool. But how many people do we know just like her, you know, uh, a Robin Williams is an example. I mean, yeah. who didn't love Robin Williams and so many of the rock stars and, and then I've been affected by this in my very own life with people who've tried to take their life. Wow. Um, 
and they could have the un- most unbelievable success. So that's an extreme example. Yeah. And people are hurting and there's mental illnesses and there are all kinds of ingredients that get someone to that point. Yeah. But it's also what you're feeding your mind. And so if you can't be appreciative of the most teeny tiny things in every single day life, you're never going to be able to be appreciative of the bigger things. And yeah. so for me, wanting to feel fulfilled, and that's the whole purpose of my podcast. It's like, it's called the mindset mashup because I want to get up underneath the people that seem to have it all passion and mm. purpose, yeah. a true reason for being on the planet. That's not about making money money or crushing it business-wise all the time. But it's like, God, are they matching up to their Instagram post, mm, right? Yeah. What looks perfect? Or is that online smoke and mirrors? Yeah. And really they are happy. And you talk to them and they've got joy in their eyes yeah. because they're grateful. Yeah. So for me, fulfillment is everything. And that's obviously professionally and personally. Yeah. It's really important. I think about yeah. Heath Ledger, yes. Michael Jackson, Marilyn Monroe, Yeah. Um, you know, all these great people that you know, had deep, 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 dark secrets similar to what we talked about, but they weren't, they weren't fulfilled clearly. And I gotta tell you, while I've never contemplated taking my life, I, I think all of us, if we're radically honest, we can relate to that darkness. We can relate to wondering, you know, if this is it, if this is as good as it gets, or if there's something more and it's that fulfillment piece. And then going back to the personal truth or the personal prescription, not I can't remember exactly how you call it, but if you take responsibility for your life at a hundred percent, I mean, every given moment in your personal relationships, in your love relationships, your, you know, your professional relationships, um, at all times, if you're like, wait a second, how I respond to that conversation is on me. Yes. Yes. And then I'll take it a step further and I'll always try to figure out, well, how now can I give to somebody? How can I contribute back to them? Because yeah. if I'm feeling fragmented and depleted or off center intense, yeah. then I'm always going to my, now my, my, my first place to look for is, okay, where can I give? Because as soon as I give, I get out of my own head. Yeah. Right. And, and stop making, I call it making up the stories. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> it's like Stories kill us. You, st- you just make up make up things that are probably so far from the truth is ridiculous, but you run with that, and then you go down right. this whole you know av- I call it avalanche of emotion. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know that you didn't even need to be at, and you can stop it by doing kind of what you just said. Where can I give? Which is <laughs> which is a great thing. Uh, you know, recently I had an experience where I was um I was casting um something that I shot a short film that I shot and um. And the uh, producer was like an hour late for the, you know, for the uh, the casting. And I remember like looking at my watch, it was like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I just say, you know what? I had already started in my mind, you know, thinking about how when she got there, how I was going to like be a little critical and be. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm here for something else. She'll get here when she gets here. I'm going to make it work. And it, and it, it worked. You know, we, we got through it and she got there and she was very apologetic. And I didn't, you know um make her feel worse <laughs> you know she was already feeling bad so mm-hmm. it's just like those little things sometimes that um that can change your whole day and help you to be more have more gratitude kind of like you know what you were talking about so well that reminds me of another um when you when Jenny your producer uh asked for 
one of each personal and professional. I'm like, yeah. oh man, I got like a hundred. <laughs> that stuff's important. It's like in my arsenal. Yeah. And you know, it's like, what do I need right now to get me out of this state or to get me out of my story? And yeah. so what you just shared reminds me of another one that, um, it is an absolute truth for me and it's life is always happening for us, not to us. Yes. And when we can live in that state and that's hard for a lot of people, cause yeah. it's like, wait a second, yeah. I didn't want to get fired. I don't want to break my leg. I don't want to get, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Where's the gift inside what you do have? Because when we argue with what is, that's how we create insanity. Right. 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 So when we understand that life is always happening for us and never to us, um, it's just, it's a game changer. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so difficult, these things, because again, they're not taught. I always say, you know, why did it take me to, you know, get to be close to 40 to learn these things? How come, you know, how come they, they didn't teach me this in elementary school? <laughs> you, God, know, wish they would. you know what I'm saying? It would have, it would have been a lot more, a lot, a lot easier, but uh, they didn't. So this is, this is the path. So um, thank goodness for people like you shedding light on it, you know, 40 years later and trying to, you know, help people make up the difference. But the whole, the, the good news is, is that we can start right now. It's never too late right. ever. Right. You know, yep. in this very moment, you can change it all. You yeah. can have fulfillment. You literally can. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I think once you realize, yeah, you know, not to coin the, uh, the soap opera, but once you realize you have one life to live, you, <laughs> it, it raised the stakes. At least it has for me. You know, at some mm-hmm. point I realized, damn, you know, we're here one time, at least this time we're here one time. And so what are we going to do with it? You're going to like mope around and be angry all day long and get ulcers and have heart attacks, <laughs> you know, or drink, drink myself to death. Or, totally. or am I going to try to, you know, live, live my best life as, as uh, Cardi B says, live your best life, you know, let <laughs> me living my best life, you know? Yeah. So anyway. Well, I'm pretty sure Oprah said it before Cardi B, but yeah. <laughs> did, did, did she? <laughs> Oh, Oprah's got a whole thing called living your best best life. life. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I love Oprah. Don't even get me started. (laughs) We we won't get you started on Oprah. All right. We're going to jump in. We're going to jump into some questions. Okay. Uh, number one, I think you'll like this one. So how exactly does one become a lifestyle expert? Well, that's a good question. Um, I I guess it's pretty much like, how does someone become anything that they decide they're going to be? First, I think you claim it. Um, did you claim that, that that's what you wanted? Because your I, your route to this whole thing was sort of, you know, circuitous. It wasn't like, you know, a direct shot from journalism to real estate to, you know, lifestyle expert. You know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're sort of in the same realm, but not 100%. It's true. But so, but underneath uh, lifestyle for me is mindset. Okay. And so mindset has always been, what do I want? How do I manifest that? And then where do I need to get out of my way to make that happen? Okay. And so that's always been a through line, whether it be, um, you know, building a pretty big real estate career and having tremendous success, but again, not being fulfilled by it, making money and traveling and buying property and whatever, but it wasn't, it didn't have my heart and okay. it certainly wasn't fulfilling for me. And people would that, thought I was crazy to walk away from that kind of a career that mm. took a, a minute to build and, yeah. and it, you know, and then became quite robust. But yeah, for million. me, it was a gift, right? Yeah. yeah. For, it was a gift. Sales, yeah. yeah. Um, at least that was the average. Yeah. There were some years that were better yeah. and I rode that wave. And then when the market crashed and we had, um, uh, you know, our global recession in 2008, that was an opportunity for me to reset sure. and, and then decide what I really wanted. And that's where, 
I looked back at broadcasting slash sales and I was like, huh. And I was fortunate enough to uh, get the job at HSN. And so that's probably where it really started to get refined in terms of lifestyle because where uh, the, the, the types of categories that I represented were very prestigious beauty and fashion brands. So yeah. I worked with like the top designers in the world, like Naeem Khan would come on yeah. and I would do segments with him and his brands for fashion, Longcomb, Too Faced Cosmetics, Benefit, your wife probably knows all of these, Trish McAvoy. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, so when I started to realize what I was sharing with my my shoppers uh, five days a week for three full years, it was a lifestyle. We were yeah. basically talking about lifestyle and wanting to feel empowered and wanting to feel relevant and wanting to feel seen at the end of the day, the emotional core benefit of a beauty product is really what's on the line. It's not the beauty product. Yeah. And so when I started to understand that, that was a game changer for me. And that's when I started to break all kinds of records at the network. And, and yes, that job also paid extremely well, but I missed Southern California. I missed Mm. my soulmate, which is Santa Monica. (laughs) And so another one of those things of you're crazy to leave. Why would you ever leave? You've got the best package in town. And, and, uh, but I knew that I could consult for a ton of brands and I knew that I could continue to work in TV and, and really crush this whole, um, you know, angle of my industry. Cause it's super finite. There's like 10 people in the nation that do what I do. That's crazy. That is crazy. And I'm one of two out of QVC and HSN. So 34 and 39 years each they've been on air and there's two of us, one male and one female me that have ever left one of those networks to go on and still have a thriving career as a, as a TV personality. Yeah. So I'm really proud of that. But that was, again, a very clear vision and being able to take 100 percent responsibility, not getting caught up in the story of like, well, nobody works on air after they leave, you know, HSN or QVC. And it's right. like, which is uh, what they probably try to sell you. Right. To, oh, yeah. To keep you locked keep in. You- yeah. Nope. Yeah. It's, you don't, you don't leave that kind of gig. Um, but I did. Um, and it's, it's been thriving and fulfilling everything. And then they lock you down with like this crazy non-compete where you can't work in the States. And so I found work internationally. I don't yeah. let anything stop me. Yeah. Um, is my point. And it's just continues just to work out better and better. Um, so the lifestyle, um, continued to get refined and even more. So once I started to go on air as the shopping, uh, expert, they, they, you know, putting all these products on all these various shows, you know, on the real crime watch daily Hollywood live today. And now my regular gig on extra for almost a year and a half, they're all deal segments basically where I'm utilizing my insights, um, and experience from HSM, but putting these in, putting them into these big entertainment, uh, talk shows. And so they, they, they called me a lifestyle expert. Yeah. But then as I was balancing consulting for all these brands and I work with all of them all over the country and you, uh, you're, and you consult with them on how to get their products in, in, in front of these major, in these major markets. That was, that was a good question. I do a lot of things. So I will, uh, and that's where the strategy part comes in. So it's brand and lifestyle strategist is really, um, how I'm referred because, uh, I'll work with, uh, first to really distill their marketing pitch. Mm-hmm. It's like, you think this is clear, but I sold, you know, 3000 hours worth of product on air with million dollar quotas per hour wow. and it's serious business. Yeah. And some like on the weekends, it was a $10 million quota. That was at wow. HSN. You can, you can multiply that by six or seven at, at QVC. It's, it's big business. Wow. I have mad respect for the beasts that they are. Are you telling me that these people are making $10 million a day on a weekend? $30 million in sales on a weekend? Not a day, an hour. Wow. An hour, 10 million an hour. Wow. 
That's that's in gross You're revenue. You're shitting me. Yes. You're not. No, and that's <sighs> HSN. It's a way lower number than QVC. It's insane. It's a big business. So before I took the job, when I was offered the job, I literally had those thoughts of like, I can't go to work at HSN. That's like, have I lost my mind? You know, I had judgments on it. Sure. But then when I went, was going back and forth and interviewing with executives who had these incredible backgrounds and they had so much passion to truly transform what we knew that our grandma shopped, you know, 30 years ago. And it was so sophisticated. And I, had, I learned to have such an incredible respect for the dollars per minute quota that it is. And yeah. I happen to thrive in big time pressure. So, you know, live TV is pressure. Sales quotas are pressure. Those kinds of goals are pressure. Yeah. And uh, once I relaxed and I actually became me, then I could um, really start to hit those goals and then crush them and then, you know, exceed them. So it was definitely empowering and it was a confidence booster like nobody's business. Yeah. Um, so I loved it. But the lifestyle and brand um, strategist, yeah, it's not only people who want to get their products to QVC or HSN or Evine. I can do that and do that. But I'll also, if they're on air and they've been on for a while and their sales are stagnant, yeah. I will come in and help them to optimize their presentation by building assets with them, on-air graphics, working with their spokespeople. Um, and that is, in a lot of ways, just as fulfilling as me, myself, going on air. Yeah. So my on-air work on Extra is my front-facing gig. Yeah. And it, it provides the leverage and the credibility to attract some of these high-end, very important clients that I am so grateful for. And I love what I do. Sure. So at, at what point um, was it in, in in the real estate crash in 2008? Did you say, you know what, I think I want to go into, you know, lifestyle branding or be a lifestyle expert? Or was it just sort of serendipitously you got the, the gig at HSN and then through that process decided, oh, this is this is a lane that I can actually be, you know, be successful in? See, that's a good question. Um, because there was nothing serendipitous. I mean, yes, ultimately, you know, is it coincidence or grace? Is it serendipity or grace? And I think grace is always operating on our behalf, but if we have, we have to first get clear on what we want. And so, no, I, I saw the crash happening. I made like $17,000 or something in, in that year. And luckily I had a, you know, a nest egg to get me by, but It was dramatic. I mean, high-end producers, people that were making millions of dollars a year and had these big, beautiful homes and children in private schools. And these are some of my colleagues. They were defecting Los Angeles and moving to small little towns in middle of America because they could only afford like a $40,000 house. Yeah. Wow. And that's a whole other set of, of, of problems, right, of managing money and all that. But sure. it hit people hard. Yeah. And 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 so many, you know, clients were hit hard and people were renting out their houses or selling their properties and, and people were losing their jobs. I mean, it was a global crisis. Yeah. So noticing that that was happening for me, I looked at it as this is an opportunity. I've made no money, so I can no longer say I'm only in it for the money. Well, let me just eke out one more year. It was like this is an opportunity for me to reset. Yeah. And get really clear on taking advantage of this opportunity. What do I really want? Got it. So that's when I looked at, okay, I did the certificate of broadcast journalism at UCLA. I had a decade of sales experience. What if I mishmash the both of them and I go and see what I can make happen at either QVC or at HSN? And I was fortunate enough to be offered a position. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. So, so was it, it deliberate? Was, it, was, it was deliberate. It was deliberate. Yeah. That's, that's what I was getting at. It was deliberate. Okay. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, so Going back to your initial answer, the answer is that what you know. I said, ask you, how does one become a lifestyle expert? He's like, well, how does one become anything? 
you have an intention and you go for it. So yeah, excellent. Well, and I'll back that up even more. When I was uh, in real estate, I had a, first she was my boss. I was her assistant and then we became partners and then we built a team and she's still one of my dearest friends and mentors, um, Melissa Alt. I love her. So if you guys ever see Shout me on out. Instagram, you'll see, I, I, um, Shout I get together with her at least four times a year. Okay. She's like 67 years old. God, she's going to kill me if she's 66, but she's somewhere around there. <laughs> 65. She's an extraordinary woman. She might be 65. Sorry, <laughs> Melissa. I love you, Em. Um, she calls me Em. I call her Em. It was love at first sight. We just got each other for 10 years. We just never had an issue. She's intense. I'm intense. We just, we just gelled. Yeah. And um, we both love to work hard. And she's a producer, man. I mean, she's a woman who takes 100% responsibility. So she has 100% power. She's naturally confident and kind and cool and has the most integrity of any professional colleague I've ever had the privilege to work with. So there oh, I am. That makes wow. up for an age if I got it wrong. Wow. Um, and it's the truth. She knows it. And I'm so grateful for her because she taught me a lot. Um, but going back, I remember we were like cranking out deals. And I said to her, one day I'm going to be on extra. And she's like, because mm. I had always dreamed of being a TV host. Okay. And now I don't know how I'd get there. And that's the whole thing is sometimes we have an intention and we want it to look a certain way. Like, for example, getting married to the right guy or the right woman. Um, and how it shows up is not necessarily what you had in your mind, but it's yeah. equally or even more fulfilling than you could have ever imagined. Yeah. So while I wanted to be on extra, and it was a very specific goal, which is really bizarre, Seku, because I didn't even watch extra. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. I love entertainment news. I keep up with all that stuff. I just, I just do, you know, it's one of my guilty pleasures, but I didn't even watch it. And I just yeah. had said one day, I'm going to be on extra. She's like, okay. Interesting. And then it was 10 years later when I signed the contract to be a permanent uh, co-host on extra. Now my yeah. role is small. It's a weekly segment. I'm not a main host by any means, but I am on extra You're on extra. Yeah. Yep. You're, you're an extra on extra. And That's I right. don't do what I thought I would do, but guess what? I do what I love doing. Yeah. I don't know if it would be fulfilling for me going back to that to talk about, you know, film premieres and fashion on the red carpet. I don't know if that's what would make me feel alive. What I love, and maybe what I'm not saying I, I, I don't want an opportunity maybe one day, but what I love is knowing that I'm helping these brands because like a hundred brands will pitch to get on one of those segments. Then oh, they wow. get their 15 seconds of fame yeah, literally. And then it's up to me to curate a script that can maximize my words with sometimes one or two sentences to get 1,500 or 2,000 people to convert and purchase. Yeah. So I am helping to make my, you know, the brand, the vendor, yeah. their dream come true. I'm helping to give the customer fulfillment. Like for, so the whole thing for me is like, I love it. Cause I really feel like I'm adding value in this very strange shopping way. But ladies, I know you got my back here. Um, <laughs> so I was able to make what could look kind of vacant, um, really deeply fulfilling. And so if someone would have said, well, we'll put you on extra, but you're going to be talking about products back then I would have judged it. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, wait a second. People would give s almost anything to have that opportunity and yeah. I can help them facilitate that. I'll, I, I want to do that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. Uh, second question. So in 2003, you wrote a book called The Voice of Gratitude. And um, my question to you is, what does that voice say to you every day? Mm, well, that goes back to the success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure prescription. Mm -hmm. And I am a gratitude junkie. I am absolutely, 
um, looking for things to appreciate. And this is going to sound crazy, but I mean all day, every day. I'm appreciative of this moment to be in this conversation, to be able to see you, which is really cool because my podcast doesn't have video. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> how do we upgrade? Um, it's so important to be able to see someone. I'm so it is visual. To, to connect. Yeah. I like to, just to connect. I mean, this video is not going to be uploaded, but it's important. I think when we're talking. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So gratitude is everything. And I had uh, been watching one day, um, an episode that Oprah did on the Oprah Winfrey show way back. And she had Sarah uh, Van Brethnick on who wrote a book that became an unbelievable international bestseller with over 5 million copies sold. And it was called Mm. simple abundance. Mm. And Oprah, who was already just huge by this point, um, shared that this, this single book had profoundly changed her life. Mm. And I thought I perked up, like I sat up from my couch at three o'clock in the afternoon. I was selling real estate member working from home, whatever. Um, and I perked up and I thought, wait, it changed Oprah's life for the better? I didn't know her life could be changed for the better. Yeah. And that statement really was such a testimony. And so I, I, you know, back then you couldn't order things online. So I went to the local Barnes and Noble <laughs> and I picked it up and I just loved it. And I thought, oh, this is so good. And, and I started thinking about the gratitude that I had for the friendships in my life that really helped me be me, yeah. be seen, be loved be part of a, of a community matter. And, um, and so it really started as, um, a gratitude, uh, journal, which I had been doing for a while, but I stepped it up. It was like journaling gratitude on a daily basis. And that really set my day or it was a wonderful recap for the day. So even if I had a total crap day, I would just say, I'm so grateful that the day is over. I'm so grateful. I'm in my bed. (laughs) I'm so grateful. I get to start fresh tomorrow. So just shifting that mindset to gratitude was so powerful. powerful. And, um, and listen, there's another great quote also by Tony Robbins. I don't only follow him, but right now he's like kind of deep in my soul because he's such a beautiful soul. And he helped quit smoking. Well, he facilitated. Facilitated, yes. Yeah. Um, I, let's face it, 100% we'll response. Take you. I said helped. I said helped. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was ready and um, and I decided. Yeah. He gave, you know? Yes. The, the, well, the I experience, can, the experience gave you the nudge or the experience provided the, you know, the, 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 the food to help you move forward. The no experience. doubt about it. Yeah. He has facilitated an opening for me to completely own my destiny, mm. who I'm really meant to be. Mm. $5,000 doesn't seem so expensive anymore, does it? <laughs> <laughs> um, right. And so the book actually has kind of an interesting story. I don't know how much time we have, but just a couple of minutes we of have, how it got yeah, there. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. We got so time. I really love this story. Yeah. Um, and I used to diminish listeners. it. They need this. Yeah. Okay. Well, back to the Tony Robbins quote um, about appreciation. And and this actually is fundamental to my life. And he says that when you trade expectations for appreciation, your whole life changes instantly. Mm. Okay. And so, you know, we all have some crazy expectation on our spouse, on our children, on our colleagues, on our clients, on the job, on, yeah. on our bodies, on our health, on the moment. Yeah. And when we can let go of that and then find ourselves selling product on a, on, you know, extra versus being an entertainment host, we can be appreciative for all that truly is. And I think that when you're truly appreciative, that allows for abundance to just be like tenfold. And I think that you just magnetize so much more good because if you can't be appreciative or grateful for the little tiny things, how are you going to get more? Right. Right. Yeah. No. And the, the, um, 
expectations, I think that goes back to the story, you know, making up yeah. the story because the expectations totally. are all about these these things that you imagine to happen that aren't happening. How about be appreciative for what actually is happening? It reminds me of that um, book. I'm sure you know this book, um, Iker Tolle, The Power of Now. Oh, he, God, yeah. Yeah, he he's, you know, I, I read that probably 20 years ago and still 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 grasping the 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 real essence of it but uh it's it's a great are mm-hmm. uh, you looking in your your bookcase it's on my there, shelf is I it just, there? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. and not just on the shelf like it's tattered and highlighted right and, right yeah, that right book awesome. that book yeah yeah, yeah so, so for the listeners if if any of you want to sort of get a, a primer on being in the moment um and and just sort of uh appreciating what is that's a great it's a great book so good um, yeah so um after I, you know, did all my gratitude journaling, then I wanted to get the book out into the world. And so I started my very first mastermind. Now I lead multiple masterminds um, at a time. And those are incredibly fulfilling for me to get to serve and to really foster a community where people are just crushing their goals. It's so awesome. What's, what is and, a mastermind? Uh, a mastermind is where a group of people uh, can come together. Well, let me just actually read you what Napoleon Hill said about a mastermind because it's my favorite definition. Okay. Um, I wasn't expecting what? this, so let me just look. Okay, here it is. Sorry. He said, um, and he wrote the book Think and Grow Rich. Are you familiar with Napoleon yep. Hill? Yep. That's like a must-have for anyone who's interested in personal development. Yep. Um, he defines it as the coordination of knowledge and effort of two or more people who work toward a definite purpose in the spirit of harmony. And then he continues, no two minds ever come together without thereby creating a third invisible, intangible force, which may be likened to a third mind, i.e. the mastermind. Okay. So what I say Got at the it. top of my masterminds is it's not one and one coming together, making two. It's one and one coming together, making 11. We're compounding our resources and our support in this community. And it's just no surprise that when you come in and it's so dense like that and you're all on that same mission of your life is my life, your business is my business. And then you wholeheartedly support one another. Everybody takes off mm. in health, business and relationships. So all categories. Wow. But I wanted to be a published author and didn't know how to do that, didn't have anybody in my family, didn't know anyone in the industry, in any sort of publishing uh, genre whatsoever. So I started my first mastermind and I called it uh, Author Power. Okay. And I collected five people that were just like me. None of us had any contacts. None of us had any experience. We all wanted to be published authors. And we met every Wednesday morning in a private residence at 7 a.m. So before work. Oof. And, okay. it, you know, we made it like spiritual. So like we would kind of like pray in or just like set an intention with some sort of affirmation, this beautiful energy that would start with. And then we just share one by one. What are you up to this week? What did you accomplish last week? Where do you where are you needing support? Yeah. Oh, I know someone over there. or I know exactly how to do that. Okay, great. So 18 months later of meeting once a week, four out of five of us were published. Mm, One went on to become a New York Times bestselling author. The other ended up getting the attention of Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote the international, unbelievably successful series called Conversations with God. He came to one of the guys who was in my mastermind and said, hey, I loved your book. Would you write the screenplay for my film? So he did that. I ended up getting my books published in virtually every Hallmark Gold Crown store in North America. Mm. And that wasn't easy. She declined me and rejected me seven times. But my mentor, who was Mark Victor Hansen, who wrote the series with Jack Canfield called Chicken Soup for the Soul. Do you remember those books? Yes, 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 absolutely. 
still one of the best-selling anthologies of all time. He was my mentor, and he's, I don't know why he says eight. I actually love to see him and ask him, but he said, until you've been rejected eight times, no just means not now, come back later. Mm -hmm. And it was no joke. On the eighth time, being very polite but very persistent, she said, interesting timing. We'll take 10,000 copies. (laughs) It was so so powerful. So anyway, that was that. Eight Eight is a magic number. It's a magic I'll number. I just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in real estate, when it was the really fast market and every single property that came on was going out in multiple offers, August. we would always end our either listing price number or our buying price number on our contract as we were bidding yeah. with an eight Interesting. because of that same reason. Yeah. Interesting. And we would win a lot. Not all the time, but we'd win. Wow. So that's the book, Seku. Okay. All right. Let's, I'm going to, let's move on. Let's move on. That was great. Number four. So on May 8th, um, you posted this on Instagram. You said, you know, plant the seeds, trust the process. Uh, in, in other words, don't go digging up the seeds to be sure they're still there when times mm. are tough. So my question for you is, you know, when times are tough, right? When you've planted that seed five years ago, I'm just making something up, and mm-hmm. you're, you're not seeing any, any tangible results, how do you stay the course? Five how, years? How does oh. Michelle stay the course? I'm not saying five years, but let's say it's a, it's a, it's an amount of time that you think is too long for, for, for what your, your, maybe your timeline was. Well, I would say you need to be looking for signs and where it's flowing because I try to live my life in this analogy where I imagine myself flowing downstream Okay. And just being able to relax, not like a strong, like class four rapid, but like a real cool sort of flowing river in the middle of summer where it's just relaxing. You're just going downstream into the direction of your dreams. But if I start to resist the current as, as to continue with the metaphor and start to paddle upstream to try to get that or make that guy stay or get that job or then I'm resisting what's natural. So I would say first and foremost, I look for what is flowing within this dream. If it's not naturally showing me signs or flowing to some degree, then I might want to look at other things. Like for example, when I came back from HSN back home to my soulmate, Santa Monica, there was a big part of me that did think (laughs) that I would um, be an entertainment host. And I met with different agents and I met with different managers and everybody said, no, it was just a flat out rejection across the board. But Mm. every single meeting that I had says, you need to capitalize on this three years that you just did at HSN. This is your expertise. And I resisted that and and not for long though. That's the whole thing is when you said five years, like five years, it depends, you know, if you've got a startup and which industry and are you starting to see any sales or revenue or, or, or movement, if you're not seeing any movement, then you need to kind of reset. Yeah. It's some really great advice. Go talk to a mentor. Go to someone who's modeling what you want. Talk to them. When you say movement, well, well, let's go back. Your analogy of the river flowing, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want my listeners to think that that means everything is easy. Right? I think what, what you're saying is that um, as you're going through the process, you're making progress. That rhymes. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it rhymed. That's um, good. As you're going through the process, you are making progress because I, I mean, I'm involved in things that, I mean, even this podcast that um, I enjoy, I see progress, I see growth and mm-hmm. there's obstacles. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's time constraints and commitments and things that can get in the way and, and, you know, people that are, make it difficult for me to, to do this or do other things. Um, 
I don't I I just want that to be separated out the obstacles to be separated out from sort of the process of the the journey. You know, no doubt about it. There's going to be obstacles, but yeah. I guess it just comes down to, I mean, it's a, it's not a, a black and white answer. And, yeah. Yeah, of course not. and as you know, um, you know, of my whole overarching theme in life, which is one of my prescriptions, which is that life is always happening for me and not to me. Yeah. I, I try to look at it like, honestly, like, why is this so hard? Why am I just, you know, why are these obstacles here? Are they self-sabotage? Do I not feel worthy of this? Mm. Do I not feel like I deserve this? That's a whole nother layer yes. of this answer. Yes. That then is there's, good, yes. do I fuck everything up? Sorry. I, I, I probably get bleed, bleed, bleeped out. Um, <laughs> do I mess everything up? Um, you know, is this, is this my pattern? Yeah. Just when I get to that thing that I thought I really wanted, I get fired. <laughs> or, right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. have I been busting my butt and I'm just not able to see any progress. A good example of that would be, I'm not going to lie. Like right now I know a lot of like people who want to be coaches, success coaches, lifestyle coaches, executive coaches, and then they want to, you know, start a YouTube channel around it and start a podcast around it. But they might not necessarily be strong in video, Got as it. an example. Sure. They can't sell a story or create content to save their life. They don't even necessarily have a good voice, but they're a great <laughs> writer. They, they're, they're killing it in copy yeah. or content in that regard. Like, for example, me, I hate writing. Don't even try to get me to email you or text you. I hate it. Get me on the phone. Get me in an audio text. Okay. I'm golden. I could go on forever. But if I have to actually type it out, which is why my little book was a coffee table book and not a whole novel. And when yeah. I do write my next book, I'm going to have a ghostwriter. Okay. I'm going to have a total, total partner that I'm not even going to let be a ghostwriter. It's like I want them to be on the cover with me, right? Sure. As as a scene Holding, partner in this. Hugging. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. A collaboration. Collaborator, yeah. Many people don't give a lot of people credit and that makes me crazy in life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, you're right. The obstacles sometimes will be there. And like, for example, I, Jenny, our, uh, uh mutual our producer. producer. Yeah. Um, she has been extremely patient with me. I have let self-sabotaging thoughts come up around my podcast. Okay. I have let imposter syndrome get a hold of me. Who do you mm. think you are? What do you think you're doing? Mm. Um, nobody's going to listen except for your mother and your sister and maybe only once because they don't have the time. Um, <laughs> everything has tried to hold me back. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a second. If I truly let this be about a message that I hope to land and help one person, right. and it's not about me, it's about them, and how can I serve? Yeah. Then I can move forward and get out of my own way. Yeah. So there's yeah. A, there's so many layers to be able to answer that question. But I would say if you really want it and it's in your heart, you just look for how can you crush through, blast through those obstacles and really get super honest. Are they self-imposed or yeah. are they real? Yeah. If they're not self-imposed, then oftentimes you can get around them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. That was a great answer, actually. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Let me see. All right, I'm going to ask you this question. I think I have two other questions, but I'm just going to ask you this one. This is about your 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 podcast that we just talked about, the mindset mashup, um, coming to uh ear earwaves near you, uh, next week will be the first episode. Is it is the first you recording the first episode next week or is it dropping next week? It's dropping next week. We've got a few in the can. Excellent, excellent. Mm -hmm. So it'll drop on Monday. So it'll drop the same day that this that comes this out. Drops, so that's beautiful. Okay. That'd be yeah. great. That'd be great. Um, so you describe it as um, something that goes into or talks about radical self-love, health mastery, the tribe, uh, impact and success. 
Mm-hmm. I like the the uh, word radical self love. I wanted to specifically mm-hmm. ask you about why you use radical in that in in des- describing the podcast. Rat- that it des- describes radical self love. What is radical about self love? It's a really good question. Radical is just feels more intense, and I'm very intense, and I like to open it up and like you know <laughs> explore and get totally radically honest. People are not honest, Seku. They are not really honest. I don't even know if people know how to be honest and why because we are numbing out with all kinds of things, foods, alcohol, addictions, you know, just bullshit stories that keep us you know so disconnected from who we truly are. So the radical self love for me is: can I love myself when I've really hurt someone? When I've been a jerk, uh, when I have self-sabotaged, when I do something, this makes me want to cry because this just literally happened last week. I was at a lunch with a friend and I said something that hurt her feelings mm, and then she burst into tears oh no. and I was kind of righteous about it in the moment because I was like, well, wait, this is what I meant. And I thought, well, wait a second, how can I love myself through this and not feel like a total monster? And it's like, yeah. oh, I can totally own it take a hundred percent responsibility, tell her, I'm sorry. I wished I had done that differently. Here's what I wished I would have said. And as I went home that day, I was still very tender and very emotional. Like, wow, because this doesn't happen all the time. It was one of those anomalies. And, and I thought, okay, how can I take care of myself right now and not let this moment define me for or take away all the beautiful personal development work that I have done? Yeah. Not because I could I have had a tendency in the past to wipe out everything that was good with one negative thought. Mm. And I have a feeling a lot of people can relate. And it's not that way. It's just one bullshit thought that's coming in. It's trying to attack me and say, see, you're not great. You're not good. You're not worthy. You're never going to be loved. And that's just a human epidemic that's all made up. And so the radical self-love is just – Honestly, it's not just when things are going well. It's not when like, oh, I'm feeling my size two. You know, I'm really <laughs> <Size> healthy. <two. laughs> you know, or whatever. And right now I'm a size four. I'm a legit size four. So can I radically love myself right now when yeah. I'm not fitting into half my closet? Yes, I can. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and where, and can I radically love myself when, you know, I'm feeling off centered or going into rooms that scare me because so-and-so is in there and, oh my goodness, I really want to talk with them. Can yeah. I radically love myself and feel worthy? Yeah. It all comes back down to mindset and what you're telling yourself. Yeah. Yeah. The self-talk, the self-conversation. That radical self-love, you need to shine light on it when you're feeling fragmented, fractured, tense, not like yourself, not your true, beautiful, perfect self, right? And I say perfect like in the divine sense of who we really are. It's it's when you're, you know, when you got that fear, worry, and doubt trying to run you and be real. It's like, whoa. And then you got to have tools to access. Yeah. In those those moments, yes. In those moments is when it's almost like you have to be your own champion. In totally. those moments, and and it's and and it's in those moments that is most difficult. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'll give you another example. I um I'd been hosting extra for over a year, and I always had nerves, which was really weird because I didn't ever get nerves at HSN or any of my other TV work. But I'd come in with these. It looked like nerves. It was like kind of shaky energy, kind of rushed energy, sure. just a little frenetic, and I knew it, and I hated it. But mm. I didn't think they saw it. Mm. Well, fast forward to. Um, it was back in March, we were packing up the, you know, the display and one of my very favorite crew members, Jesse, he was, I dropped something and then couldn't put it back together very like gracefully. And then I dropped it again. And he was like, oh, <laughs> he said, nervous Michelle's in the house. Huh, interesting. <sighs> and I was like, it stopped me in my tracks. It was a total self check. Like, 
God, he he's noticed. If he's noticed, then Mario's noticed, then all yeah. the other hosts have noticed, then the yeah. EPs, the executive producers, producers have noticed. This is why I've never been offered anything more. This is this is why I'm never going to make it. This is why I'm never going to be worthy. This is right. why I'm never going to be loved. Right. See how quickly we can take it yep. back yep. to such BS. Yeah. And so I went home that day and I called a couple of people and I was like, Oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? And like a couple of friends were like, You got to own it. You got to be the woman that you are. You got to go in there and handle it. And it was like, Okay, all no, that was good. But then I thought, Well, wait a second. What are my routines? What's my habit? What's my ritual the morning of extra? Because I'm not experiencing that in myself on a daily basis. Why is it happening there? Mm -hmm. I know I can do the job. I'm more than competent. I'm very good at that particular role. So do you know what it was, Sekou? The coffee? No. Yes. Oh yeah. I was over caffeinated yeah. and I and I never ate before I went. We would oh, we tape yeah. at one one thirty in the afternoon. Yeah. So I let go of the caffeine. I would eat protein and the next week it was a completely different experience to the point where now everybody says, You're like totally different. Interesting. You're calm and grounded and yet you're still bringing that wonderful vitality. So but it was in between hearing that comment up, oh, nervous Michelle's in the house to then attaching that to all that it could mean, making right. crazy meaning stories, over a story. Making up the stories, yeah. And and making it be about my worthiness and my ability to ever succeed in anything ever in life, right? Because yeah. that's how big we go, just yep. like that. Yep. And how could I love myself in that moment? Well, wait a second. Take care of yourself. Let's get super honest yeah. and accountable, responsible, yeah. reset, and do it, do it better. Yeah. 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 All right. I think we're ready for yes or BS. Okay. This has been fun. You're fun to talk to. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, likewise. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. This, I mean, and, and honestly, um, because of time, I have like other questions and because of time, I'm skipping them, but I think we may have to do part two at some point. Let's do it. I do have, um, I do bring people back on when they're, when, when, when they're really interesting. So I'm going to make a statement. <laughs> I'm going to make a statement and then you say yes or BS and then you can explain why you agree or disagree and then we move on. Oh, I'm going to be a very complicated person for you. Oh, that's good. Number one, getting people to buy things is easy. Yes and BS. (laughs) If you know how to do it, it's easy, Uh but you can't count on it. There's no crystal ball. That is literally my world, as you know, but it's buying anything, you know, buying you as being attracted for a first date, buying, you know, you to follow you on social media, buying the post that you do. Is it coming from your heart? Is it truth? Um, Uh I do believe though, that at the end of the day, if people feel something is authentic, it's much easier. That would be the best way I could answer it. People buy authenticity this day and age more more so than ever because we're so tired of the BS. Do you think that there are people that are good at feigning authenticity? Yes. <laughs> but truth with a capital T. Yeah. I got the chills. Just see, when, it, when it's truth, my body responds. Like it's not me. It's like something downloading. But but truth has has a weight. Yeah. It has a substance to it. Okay. And it's that sixth sense that humans just touch we like tap into. Yeah. So yeah. So if, if people know it's not true, um, sometimes it's a little slippery. You can't always tell right away, but pretty fast you'll get it. Your soul knows. Your soul knows. The B the BS meter is uh is on point. Okay. Oh yeah. Number two. Now this is this one is funny because I wrote th- these questions <laughs> obviously before our conversation. So interesting to hear what you say about this. Number two, Michelle Soros is never nervous in front of a camera. <laughs> BS. <laughs> yeah. I think nerves and, are good. And the reason I wrote this honestly is because of all the <laughs> clips that I looked at of you, 
you look calm, you look poised, you look interactive, you were entertaining, you, you know, you were very, you know, you, you were uh, able to explain um, very clearly and confidently and calmly. And I, and I was like, this is a, this is a professional and a perfectionist here. I would never thought what you told me, what you just told me about, you know, sort of feeling a little jittery. Mm -hmm. Well, keep in mind, I had to also get responsible for what I was putting in my body on those tape days. Yes. And, um, and kudos to you. I know you're now like, you know, 70% vegan. So that's great. (laughs) So am I. Um, Yeah, you are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 70%. I still eat fish, um, but I don't do any dairy and I don't, I don't do chicken or uh, basically I don't do any meat except for, well, actually that's why I'm 70%. I I'll eat a fish and lamb and I don't do dairy. So pretty much that's Mm -hmm. it. Mm. Well, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Um, sometimes I have an In-N-Out burger. It's just, it is what it is, <laughs> which is crazy. Like, and maybe one day I won't, but right now there's just sometimes when I like a meatball over my spaghetti. Okay. Um, is it, is um, it, you so, think your body's craving the iron? Yeah. I don't know what it is. I because... found that with me that when I was craving steak, it was because my iron was low and mm-hmm. I would take, take like, take iron supplements and then I wouldn't crave steak. But anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I digress. Mm-hmm. But, no, it's but, okay. but my I... point is, you know, being more mindful about what you put in your body is, is, is very important. So- in general, I would say that this year, my, my top value is, um, health and vibrancy. Okay. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's like optimizing that the best way that I can, which of course meant crushing the cigarettes. I don't drink alcohol whatsoever. Um, my caffeine intake was reduced by more than 50%. Mm. Um, still, still, still working on the sugar. So by the time we talk next, hopefully I will have some progress there. Now tell me about the alcohol. What made you not drink, want to drink alcohol anymore? Well, my body couldn't process it, which I found out in December of 2015, but also there were definitely times when I just drank too much. But if I had two <laughs> drinks or 10 drinks, yeah. um, and there were times, you know, when any of us, if you partying throughout the day or hanging out, whatever, you could, you could get 10 drinks in your system, which yeah. sounds nuts. Um, but I would have severely debilitating multi-day hangovers. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And had actually yeah. most of my life, but as I got older, they compounded. So I would deal with them in the past and they just wouldn't drink as often. But mm-hmm. then as you get older, you know, it becomes like a social norm and yeah. it was definitely, um, relevant to some of the people that I was hanging out with and spending my time with. And that's what we did. We did happy hours. We'd go to these really swanky dinners and we'd order like the best bottle of wine and then cocktails before. And it was just part of a lifestyle yeah. that, um, was by the way, really tricky to navigate once I let all that go. And I didn't even think I could be fun without alcohol. And it turns out I am so much more fun <laughs> <laughs> and I've had so much more fun and I've tested it like on wedding dance floors and, uh. you know, in certain social situations where I'm like, like, okay, you know, how can I truly shine and have so much fun and be completely free, but without any booze? Mm-hmm. And it's been awesome and liberating. So it's been two and a half years, but at the same time, um, I started to recognize my hangovers were just, they were just killing me. Yeah. Um, doesn't work well to be, uh, you know, hung over on extra on TV. No. And it <laughs> makes you look like crap and I'm a little vain. So. Are you a little, a little vain or a lot of, a lot of vain? There are, there are times when it serves me. Let's just say I'm dedicated to it, but I'm grateful that I am. I don't let it run me. Like I can come on, like, come on. I'm wearing no bra. I'm straight out of a soul cycle class. I mean, I'm wearing a big baggy t-shirt. Your, right. your listeners can't, can't see this, but you can. Right. I'm no makeup, hair back in a sweaty bun. So I'm not that vain. Sweaty bun. <laughs> um, you know, but 
but yeah, that's what will, you know, hopefully not allow me to get to, you know, hundred pounds overweight or right. to really just let it go. Like I, I want to take care of myself. And so that vanity, maybe it's not the best word to describe it, but that's what I used to say as a joke. Um, but yeah, you start to see what your face looks like after a really big drinking night or eating night. And you're like, yeah, I, I don't want to look like that. Yeah. And plus you're just looking how, like how you feel. So yes. underneath there, it's like, yes. When I let go of alcohol, I actually started to notice that same familiar joy that I felt when I was five that was so unhindered and it was natural. Didn't need coffee. It didn't need sugar. It didn't need a, you know, a, a, a margarita. Mm-hmm. It was this natural joy in the morning. Like my dog has joy, like happy to be alive yeah. in the moment. Yeah. Tag just tail just like, wagging. Yep. And I was like, oh my gosh, you mean I could feel like this all the time if I just don't have alcohol in my system? Yeah. yeah, sign me up. So, but anyway, I found out I was also allergic. And so it was like a beautiful, serendipitous um, excuse to say, that's it, no more. And Done. by the way, now virtually nobody in my life drinks. It, wow. I never even really see it. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. Like nobody that I know, even my last serious boyfriend, he didn't drink. He just never drank. And believe me, we didn't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Number number three. Uh, live TV is easier than scripted as an actor or host. Why well, don't I shouldn't say I, scripted? I would say yeah, live TV I, is easier than um, recorded uh, as an actor or host. For me, it is. Okay. Um, if I know I've got one shot. I tend to bring my A game. If I know that I can re-record like poor Jenny, like, you know, like just the intro for my podcast, I might indulge and do like 20. <laughs> and then, like, I'm just going to do it again. And then I put this crazy pressure on myself to do it in one take. And I'm like, okay, pretend it's live TV. So yeah, I thrive in live TV. Okay. And this is another reason why I just like talking and yeah. I don't like writing. Cause if I have a chance to edit, Oh, please. The, the old perfectionist in me will come in and say it's never going to be good enough. And let's face it. Perfectionism is the enemy of execution. You'll never get it done if you're looking for perfectionism. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, live TV is awesome for a personality like mine. Okay. And number four, an, au- <laughs> an author is a salesperson. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could be selling from your heart and it's, it's your truth. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to you're selling a concept. Yeah. You know, a story, a brand. Yeah. And then ultimately these days it's all about the platform. So you got to market it to even sell it to begin with. So it's all sales. Everything is strategy. This is why being a brand and lifestyle strategist, it applies to everything. Yeah. Number five, (laughs) our society today focuses on internal beauty, the light within. Mm, BS. Oh, these are supposed to be BS questions. Yes. <laughs> um, I'd say that our society, I hope, is evolving into that. And we're watching it more and more. This is me being the optimist, optimist. that I am. Yeah. Um, but it, it requires people like you to get out there and really, you know, champion that that cause because internal beauty is so much more attractive, light, joy, radiance, happiness, fulfillment. It's just so attractive. Yeah. Someone who's comfortable in their own skin 
someone who owns their experience, someone who's just radiating joy. Look at Goldie Hawn, right, as an example. You know, she is a beautiful woman, but as she's older, she's even more beautiful. She's Mm. more captivating because she's joyful. She radiates. Mm. My mother, same thing, 70 years old. She's the most beautiful woman I've ever, ever seen because she radiates this unbelievable vitality. Yeah, Yeah, I saw a picture on Instagram. I couldn't believe she's she's 70. She looks looks 50. And crushing Spartan races with with 30-year-old men. Her her and your sister together, I was like, you said mother and sister, but they look more like, they look more like sisters, <laughs> you know, yeah, actually, know. which is yeah. crazy. And my mother's never done any work, by the way, and she's never, uh, and she doesn't wear any makeup except mascara. I mean, she's just, wow. she's a freaking nature. Have you ever done any work? Uh, a little Botox. That's okay. it, though. That's not real. Yeah. Work. That's not real work. That's not. I mean, I think it's like <laughs> it's part chem- of force. Listen, I say that because I live in LA. Right. Um, but yeah, I do Botox about three times a year. Okay. Yeah. That leads me to my next question. Number six. <laughs> New York has more culture than LA. No. <laughs> BS. <laughs> now, listen, that's an easy thing to assume, but you got to go looking for what you want. LA mm. has tremendous culture. Mm. You know, I mean, and I participate in all of it. You know, so if you want the theater, if you want opera, if you want ballet, if you want, you know, um, incredible art exhibitions, if you want to, you know, go to the La Brea Tar Pits, if you want to go to the Griffith, Griffith Observatory, if you want to study plants and botanicals, you know, get the Santa Monica Mountains and the surf, and you can have any way of life you want in Los Angeles. It's not about vapid, vacant, you know, flaky people. You can find substance. You can you find what you're looking for anywhere. Okay. Would you say that culture. there's a more of a preponderance of plastic, uh, plasticky fake folk in in LA or 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 not I would say that it could look that way I think that there's just a lot more blondes with bigger boobs um <laughs> and bigger lips in LA but I would say in New York they do it they're just more subtle they're just more they have more you know brunettes and they're not doing the big lips mm. but I think the work that's being done with so many women is just is just being done everywhere. Okay. Um, people want to just, you know, look the best they can. And if that means some help, but yeah, like Orange County has a very, you know, very um, well-deserved reputation for the land of the plastic, probably more so than LA. Okay. Okay. All right. Last question. Number seven. Reality TV is not reality. Yes, it is. And anyone who tries to say that it isn't, they're living in denial. Here's here's the it's a complicated answer. If it was cut on film, it was done. <laughs> right? It was said. Right. It's just that the reality TV producers, they will put things um on the show that are not within that context. And they will also do their very best to manipulate a storyline. Yes. And get you crazy, anxiety-filled to to validate that storyline. So if they start to see from the beginning of the season in, you know, taping that you're going to become the hero, they can validate with with, um, video any which way it ultimately lands. Okay. So if they want to paint you as the hero or or not, um, they've got plenty of footage. To do that. It it, it all comes down in any editing room, right? Yeah, totally. All right. And I know you have some some personal experience with reality TV, but we won't go into that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, um, that's all I have. This has been a a great, great, great conversation, very in-depth. And I feel like uh, the listeners got a lot of juice 
mm-hmm. uh, today to kind of take back and extract and listen to the episode several times. But you said there were certain things that you said several times, and I'm glad you said it several times because a lot of times we need to hear things more than once for it to really stick. And um, but I, I appreciate you coming on. This was this was fantastic. Um, can you tell the people how they can reach out to you or contact you on uh, social media or elsewhere? Absolutely. Um, you can reach me on my website, which is michelle-sorrow.com. And then that's the same. My, you know, name is my handle on Facebook and on Instagram, LinkedIn. And, uh, and then you'll also find out about the podcast, the mindset mashup. For me, this is all mindset, right? Ultimately that's what your whole show is. Yes. It's like, if we want to access and integrate these breakthroughs, these ahas, these insights, then we've got to be able to um, get clear in our minds and hearts to be able to direct what's next. Yeah. So mindset is everything. It's underneath it all. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. It is the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a book written by Dale Carnegie. <laughs> My grandmother gave it to me. Like she had it like in a, in the bottom of a trunk or something. She gave it to me years and years ago, but it was like, the title was, uh, the title is if you think you are, you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going back to your question, um, I wish I would have had that nugget when you asked me, you know, how does one become a lifestyle expert? I'm like, because you say you are, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I, it was a vision of like, how does this encompass everything in life? Because at the end of the day, a lifestyle strategist, that's the new, the coaching work that I'm now stepped up into so fully all the masterminds that I'm doing the podcast. It's really about how can I add value to other people's lives, get out of my own way. So it's not about me and truly serve, you know, and be a force for good. Um, on this planet life is short and it's fast man and now four decades later it's like i want to make the most out of of every little bit that i have and be so appreciative for it all along the way yeah that's that's it's a great great way to end it and on that note i'm going to end as i usually do the truth will set you free if you let it